Coming up, why in the world would Iowa push away its NIL collective? You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Listening in here to Locked On Big Ten, Trent Condon on the show from Locked On Hawkeyes. I'm Nate Dickinson. We're here to talk a little bit about NIL and a weird situation going on over with Iowa, Trent. NIL group The Swarm, which had been the main, I guess, money collector, if you want to call it that, for Iowa Hawkeyes athletics in the NIL business. They've been working with the university, but are not doing that anymore. What exactly happened before we get into why it happened? Well, you know, it's kind of twofold. And in fact, some uh, news that just came out here just moments ago, the University of Iowa and Gary Barta just uh, released, uh, uh, put out something on Facebook and social media, Twitter and Instagram talking about, though uh, we have worked with the Swarm a little bit, we are running into Title IX complications, tax complications and the like. And because of that, we cannot release uh, information as it pertains to season ticket holders. So really, I think that's the biggest kind of stopping point right now with the Swarm Collective, they have worked with the athletic department trying to get the information of the most important people, the season ticket holders, and trying to get in front of them and explaining what they are and, and what it means for student-athletes. And the athletic department has been very reluctant to do that. In fact, went a little step further today and saying that we can't. Our terms and conditions say that we cannot release that information. So that's where they are. Uh, I know Brad Heinrichs, who runs the Swarm Collective, he was a former athlete at the University of Iowa. He was a golfer in the mid-'90s. He's an actuary, he's got a lot of money, put a lot of his own money into this to get it off the ground. And, you know, he's just looking for a little bit of help from the athletic department. Other athletic departments have done that. Uh, you see in Ohio State what they have done. And in fact, Gene Smith has gone out and said, yes, donate to the collective. Go and do that for Ohio State. Gary Barta, though, unwilling to do that. And it's creating certainly a lot of back and forth between the two parties right now. It seems very short-sighted, but... Gary Barta, uh, throughout his career as the athletic director at Iowa, he's been short-sighted a lot. I'm still a little confused here. When you talk about tax stuff, when you talk about Title IX stuff, that's not Iowa-exclusive stuff. Is this something that other schools are going to have to have caution with? Is this something where Iowa messed something up at some point to cause these problems? I, I don't understand why it's only Iowa that's having these concerns. It's a great question, and it's something that I think a lot of people are struggling with. Why is everybody else able to do this? Uh, Brad, uh, the Against Swarm Directive uh, Collective, he uh, talked to the collective at North Carolina and said that they've had no problem getting this information from North Carolina and from uh, their athletic department. So this really appears to be Iowa being very careful, the University of Iowa Athletic Department being very careful. And because of that, you know, setting up, making it more difficult in a place that isn't easy, you know, it, Iowa, of course, has another power conference in the state. It is a small population base. It, it is has all these things against them. You look at it, it is the smallest public university in the Big Ten. It has all these things against them, and it, yet it's making it more difficult because of this stance. Now, I understand it because Iowa is very careful. They are to the T, to the letter of the law. They want to be inside of what the NCAA rules are, and that's kind of what they're hiding behind right now. But like I said, it appears to be very short-sighted 
from the outside looking in about what they're trying to do here. And, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. In this new world, as you need to evolve and change, Iowa's athletic department, very reluctant to do that. And it, it's going to set up a very difficult circumstance for the Swarm Collective to get to the level that they need to be at to compete at the highest levels, to compete with the Michigans and the Ohio States of the world. And not only them, but their brethren, and even in the Big Ten West, you know, you look at what Nebraska's already done and what they put forward, and they're falling further and further behind. This would be something that I would be able to keep up. Iowa traditionally has one of the top athletic departments in the country as it pertains to money uh, that comes into the athletic coffers. So it is there for Iowa to be successful. The athletic department right now, though, not willing to help out. Sense if something is going to happen, if there's going to be some sort of restriction on what you can do with these collectives or something like that. But it's just that we haven't seen any evidence of that so far. We haven't seen any other school really showing any signs of being any sort of cautious in trying to get this money for future players and in working with the people who are outside of the school in getting that money. It's just something that seems like a precaution to something that has no real ground or evidence to be there. It's really, really weird to see them doing this. But And I don't think Iowa has some sort of knowledge of something that somebody else doesn't. Like if Iowa knows that something's coming, obviously Nick Saban and Alabama knows that something's coming too. It's not like anything like that is happening. It's only Iowa that's doing it. It's just really, really weird. So if this is what it's going to be, what happens next? It's a great question. And after today, when Gary Barta put out this statement, uh, talking a little bit more, uh, this was the one that I think stuck out to me, the quote uh, from his press release. There are will continue to be limitations on the athletic department's involvement in collectives related to NCAA rules, tax laws, Title IX law, etc. The concept and rules surrounding NIL and collectives will continue to evolve. The Hawkeyes will continue to advance with those changes, unquote. So that's what he said today. It's basically saying, hey, our hands are tied. Sorry, we can't do anything. We're not going to help you out. Uh, you have been a corporate sponsor through the radio broadcast. They have done that. The Iowa Swarm Collective spent the money to get their commercials uh, on the radio broadcast for football, basketball games, women's basketball, and the like. So they went out and done that. Hey, that's good. We're happy to take your money as it pertains to putting radio commercials out there. But now we're not going to help you out anymore. Now, remember, Gary Barta has had his own set of issues. He has cost the athletic department and the university millions of dollars with various uh, different things that have gone against him. He has uh, stepped on his foot many times before as it pertains to the firing of Gene Meyer, how that went out. That cost the athletic department $6.5 million because, frankly, he didn't do a good enough job of putting together and showing the reasons of the firing. And because of that, it cost $6.5 million. He's had Title IX implications when he tried to cut a couple of the sports at the University of Iowa. He has been a very good fundraiser, but in things like this, he has really struggled. It looks, at least on the surface right now and after this press release, that the athletic department is not going to change. They are scared of more litigation. They are concerned that they're going to get in trouble. You know, they have this tagline that they throw in everything. It is win, graduate, do it right. And then, unfortunately, I think for Hawkeye fans, the most important of those three is do it right. They don't care what everybody else is doing. They want to do it as it pertains to the letter of the law. And because of that, and I think the lawyers that have got involved in this too, they're scared. They're scared to get in trouble. And because of that, that's where we're at right now. Uh, the Swarm doesn't stop doing what it's doing right now, I guess, even though the university isn't exactly getting involved. But if you're on the other side of that transaction, if you're someone looking to donate money, 
why do I do that if I don't know if the school is even going to acknowledge it? That's going to be the story now for the Swarm Collective, and they're trying to continue to advance the number. Now, after the commitment of Cade McNamara, they went from a couple hundred members that had donated to it to well over 1,000. I, I think there are over 1,200 people now that have donated to it. it. It's something from the lowest levels where it's about 200 bucks a year. It's like $19 and change a month. I think it's 1958 last year, $19.58, 1958. Iowa's national championship in football. So you can do- donate in that level and obviously on the way up. So a lot of people have gotten involved, but this would be something very easy for messaging. And that's what they're trying to get to. And, you know, there's so many people, people that don't understand this changing environment. You write your check. We have the iClub. And it's been, been around for decades here at the University of Iowa. The iClub is something where they go around in the springtime. Gary Dolphin now, the voice of the Hawkeyes, he goes out. It's the chicken dinner, right? You go there. You hear one of the coaches speak. You hear from Kirk Ferentz. You hear from Fran McCaffrey. Some of the other coaches from the non-revenue sports, and you hear from them. And you go and you shake your hands and you do those things. And you donate your $100, $200, $300 a year, and you're part of the iClub. Well, the, the Swarm Collective obviously does a whole lot more. I mean, that, that is something that goes back to the student-athlete. But getting that messaging out there now for the Swarm Collective and getting in front of the right people. The right people are the people that buy tickets, the people that are there game in and game out, the 70,000 in Kinnick Stadium, the 15-5 that are inside of Carver-Hawkeye Arena. Those are the people that you want to get in front of the athletic department makes it difficult. So more than anything, this just made the Swarm Collective that much more difficult. But the frustrating part is when you look across the landscape of college sports and you see everybody else saying, hey, help us out. Yes, we know athletic departments cannot donate to a collective. You can't do that, but you can help. And Iowa's unwillingness and the athletic department's unwillingness is going to set this up in a very difficult nature going forward. So it just made made, uh, Brad Heinrich's job that much more difficult and the Swarm Collective Will it change? We'll see. I mean, there are simple things that can be done. I mean, right now, all right. So, yes, you do not allow the way the terms and conditions are for season ticket holders. They don't allow you to be spammed by, you know, a bunch of different companies that are also partners with Iowa. Well, you know what? With season tickets next year, say that our terms and conditions have changed. And our terms and conditions going forward, if you'd like to opt out, I think we've all done that, right? You buy something online, and it's very easy. You want to opt out a third party or, hey, third party opt in and you will hear from the Swarm Collective. It's a yes, no checkbox and do that going forward. Are you going to get everybody that buys season tickets? No, people opt out, but the people that don't are the ones you want to get in front of. It'd be very easy. Will they do that? Of course not, because it's Gary Bart in this athletic department. Is there a chance that this is mainly a whole lot of nothing? Because when you look at how this went down, uh, I mean, with what had been happening with the Swarm Collective, they had worked with Kirk Ferentz before they had planned at least to work with Fran McCaffrey as well too and actually filming some things in support of what they had been doing and the university really just said they're not going to be directly involved in that kind of a way it was the Swarm Collective that made this a story they're the ones that came out and said hey what's going on here so is there a chance really that as far as how this actually affects things it's not all that different coaches are still going to go out and recruit and talk about NIL the money's still going to be raised in Iowa by the people who are trying to raise it. And the players are, in most likelihood, still going to get the money that's coming to them through this process. Is there a chance that this just is kind of something that's been blown out of proportion in the last couple of days? Yeah, I, I definitely can see that part of it. And, and I think, in a way, it really has. I mean, nothing has changed. Nothing has 
been different here. It's not like the athletic department was going and doing a bunch of things to help out, and then they went the other direction. It's more than anything, the Swarm Collective has been asking for this ticket base to to get the names and the numbers and the emails for all these people, and it hasn't happened. So, yeah, nothing has changed here. It just the messaging and something that they thought was going to happen just hasn't. And, and because of that, it's become a very difficult process for them. But, yeah, on the on the surface, though, nothing has really changed in the way that everything operates. Is there a general frustration with the front office or the administration in how things like this are being handled? Is that why this becomes something that's a little bit bigger than just a one post by the guy who's leading the swarm? Yeah, I, I think that's a huge part of that is it felt like they were trending that direction. I, I think Brad thought ultimately they were going to get this list and, and it was kind of, it came out early last week that no, it's not going to happen. And I think that's what led to this. It, it was trending that direction. Positive momentum had been happening. We felt like we were going to get to this end goal, get this list, get these people that were going to be in front of us, get the tens of thousands of people that buy these tickets. We're going to get in front of them and it's going to open this thing up and we're going to go from 1,200 members, and we're going to have 5,000 members. You know, that was the hope. And we're going to get the the financial backing. We're going to be at the level of the big programs that are out there and doing a good job at the NIL. And then they're basically told no. And then Brad Heinrich said, well, you know what? I got something. I, I can go out there, and I can, I can talk to the fan base in a way and get my story out there and maybe put a little bit of pressure on the athletic department. I know uh, Brad has also mentioned that he talked to somebody uh, involved with the Board of Regents, that's ultimately Gary Barta's boss. So it, that's that's another direction that can go. Gary Barta, his contract runs through June of 2024. He is 59. He's dealt with some health trouble. A lot of people believe that maybe his career is coming to an end. Happened a little bit earlier. That still is a possibility too. But I think more than anything, this was kind of a pressure play by the Swarm Collective trying to go out there. What can we do to ultimately get what we want? Get these people, get the most important people for us. Knowing that it didn't happen, that's where we are today. So. It's kind of uh, one of those things. Like you said, in the grand scheme of things, nothing has changed. It's just everything has come out in a public forum, and that's why this has become a story here in Iowa. What happens next? Iowa and IL in a little bit of a state of limbo is it becomes the first school, at least, to, it seems like, push back a little bit on trying to get as much as it can out of this new system. So Trent Condon with us here on Locked On Big Ten. Thanks for taking a few minutes to give us your thoughts and details on the situation, Trent. We'll have you back on later this week to preview a rematch coming up this weekend, Iowa and Kentucky. Looking forward to talking to you then. All right. Thanks a lot, Nate. Appreciate it. A thank you again to Trent Condon from Locked On Hawkeyes for joining us for a few minutes here on the show to break down a weird situation with the NIL in Iowa. As we said with Trent, we'll get more information, of course, on what's going on there as we learn more. For now, though, we'll continue along with the show with a look at the preview of the first Big Ten Bowl game of the season tonight. Wisconsin-Oklahoma State, the guaranteed rate bowl on a baseball field in Arizona. It's going to be a good one for sure. We'll get to it in just a moment. First, though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you in part by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has everything that you could need to make sure that you're finding the best possible candidate for your open position. If you want, you can post your job for free over at LinkedIn Jobs just by using our promo code. Head on over to LockedOnCollege.com, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, LinkedIn.com slash 
Locked On College. LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College to post your job for free. LinkedIn has the biggest network of professionals out there. So if you want to find the right person for the job, you can do it over at LinkedIn Jobs. All right, let's preview the first Big Ten Bowl game of the season. The Wisconsin Badgers are set to face off against the Oklahoma State Cowboys in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, a matchup in Arizona that's, well, to be quite honest, not exactly shaping up like a hugely exciting matchup. Uh, For starters, both of the starting quarterbacks for these teams are out of this game. It will not be Spencer Sanders for Oklahoma State. It will not be Graham Mertz for Wisconsin. Both those players are already in the transfer portal. So, what will we see for both teams? Well, it's Looking at least a little bit like Garrett Rangel's going to be the guy for Oklahoma State, freshman out there. He's someone who has played in a couple of games out there for the Cowboys already. And if he is able to go out and have a huge game, he could easily win this one for the Cowboys. But this is a freshman who has very little experience. Not 100% sure who's going to be starting for Wisconsin, but the big name that you need to know Braylon Allen is going to be playing in this game. Chesma Lucy, while we're at it, is going to be playing in this game. So those are a couple of big, big gets for Wisconsin, to be able to have those two guys out there on the field. Uh, this, guy in Sand- er, this guy in Sanders is a quarterback, though, who was at least relied on in Oklahoma State in a way that Wisconsin is not used to relying on its quarterbacks. Uh, Last win of the regular season, last game of the regular season, was not a win. 381 passing yards against Oklahoma. 391 passing yards against Texas. Uh, This guy, obviously, in a Mike Gundy offense, is a passer who is relied on in that offense. So if you're throwing a guy out there, like, say, a freshman in Dangle, is he going to be able to fill those shoes right away? That's the question. I would suspect that the answer is not quite. Maybe he looks good, but I don't think he's able to be at least the full playbook out there that you would want out of your starting quarterback who's been there the whole year. With that all being said, I think for all of those reasons, you can lead toward a reason to be pretty optimistic going into this matchup if you're a Badgers fan. Uh, Nobody on the Oklahoma State offense is really looking like they're going to be able to break this game open if it's not Sanders under center, like there's nobody else who is just going to take the team on his back. The defense is losing a whole lot of players for either transfer reasons or other reasons at Oklahoma State side. Wisconsin's losing stuff on defense too, of course, but as far as just like who has a more complete team out there, at least the team that they had most of the season that made things work, It's without a doubt Wisconsin. Uh, That offense has its running backs. The offensive line is still fine there. It's going to be at least a version of this same Wisconsin team. Whereas on the Oklahoma State side, you lose your quarterback in there in a pass-heavy offense. It's not the same kind of story. So if you're a Wisconsin fan, I think you can lean on the facts that the thing that Wisconsin does well is going to help it here in this matchup, at least leading up to things. The Badgers are not a team that throws the ball. The Badgers are not a team that's going to need to get into a high-scoring shootout to win this game. If things get ugly, if things turn into a ground-and-pound matchups with two backup quarterbacks out there, that all plays into Wisconsin's favor. It's all big, big stuff that works for them. This game could end up playing out a whole bunch of different ways. 
it could end up being some sort of high-scoring battle where neither of the defenses are able to stop anything because they're both losing players too. But the signs all point to things being much more like a classic Big Ten football game. Not a whole lot of really talented passing through the air. A whole lot of really good running, at least on the Wisconsin side. We'll see what Oklahoma State brings out. And to be quite honest, not too pretty football. That's what I'm expecting here at the Guaranteed Rate Bowl between Wisconsin and Oklahoma State. And because of that, I have to give the edge to the Badgers. The experts do too. Wisconsin comes in as a three-point favorite. But I think that really just the game script going into this one, the way that things are most likely to play out with the players who are going to be on the field, it points to Wisconsin having an easier time getting this win than Oklahoma State does. The way that this game is projecting like it could be played, it's the way that Wisconsin wants to play a football game, not the way that Oklahoma State does. That's just my thoughts going into it. Of course, we will have reaction for you after the matchup here on Locked On Big Ten. As we wrap up things on the program today, a reminder, today's episode is brought to you in part by the NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many as the night winds down. You and other people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but no, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's not a big deal. What are the odds you'll end up getting pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, your job, you total your car, you kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober, drive sober or get pulled over. This is the message from NHTSA. Once again, thanks for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every weekday. Now make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Wrapping up with just a couple of stories from around the Big Ten. Uh, in Big Ten basketball news, Penn State's Jalen Pickett is the Big Ten Basketball Player of the Week. And once again, Bryce Sensabaugh wins Big Ten Freshman of the Week for Ohio State. On the women's side, a pair of Big Ten Player of the Week recipients, co-players of the week, are Genesis Bryant of Illinois and Michigan's Leah Brown. Also, in Joe Lenardi's latest Bracketology release, the Big Ten has 10 teams in his field of 68, those 10 in no particular order, Iowa and Rutgers, Purdue, Ohio State, Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Michigan State. Also, the Northwestern Wildcats are the second team out in that field, so a potential 11th team on the verge of getting in, according to Lenardi. In recruiting news, one big recruitment commitment for the Michigan State Spartans Four-star 2024 corner Jalen Thompson has committed to Michigan State out of Murfreesboro in Tennessee. 
Only thing on the Big Ten calendar today, aside from the Wisconsin Bowl game against Oklahoma State later tonight, Michigan State hockey's on the road. They'll face off against Ferris State this evening. Those two events, the only two events on the Big Ten calendar for today. That's all for Big Ten Sports in Locked On Big Ten here today. I'll be back tomorrow with more. We'll recap, of course, the Wisconsin and Oklahoma State matchup and get you anything else that you need to know from around the conference. It's going to be a big week and weekend in Big Ten Sports. You're going to want to tune in here the rest of the week on Locked On Big Ten. Be sure to follow in wherever you get your podcasts at Locked On Big Ten with a one zero at the end when you're typing it out, not T-E-N. And I'm Nate Dickinson at Nate with Sports on Twitter. I'll talk to you soon. This has been Locked On Big Ten.